Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Rigger Podcast Network brought to you by ZipRecruiter. What's the difference between working hard and working smart? I mean, sometimes there's no difference. You take Ryan Rosillo, who's joining the Ringer, who we're going to talk to in a little bit. He works hard and he works smart. Some people, they do one or the other. Well, ZipRecruiter's technologies and tools make hiring more efficient and more effective. It is the smartest way to hire. Get qualified candidates fast. ZipRecruiter is so effective. Four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get quality candidates through the site within the first day. My listeners can try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, you may forget what happened six seasons ago on the second to last season of Mad Men, but you'll never forget a delicious BLT made with unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise, slathered onto a mouthwatering turkey club, mix it into a luscious garlic aioli, layered onto a thick cheddar cheeseburger. And because of the unforgettable creaminess, hours later, You'll be telling everyone within earshot just how good it was. Try something new. Try unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise and the new Heinz mashups, mayo chip, mayo cube, mayo must, and crunch. Uh, we're also brought to you by TheRinger.com, the world's greatest website. We're right now, we are knee deep, waist deep, shoulder deep into fantasy football. You ready, Kyle? Ready. I saw we're on the team again. Yeah, we should have won last year. I'm ready. We lost by point three points or something. Well, we have so far. We have like a we did a ringer top 150. We did. Uh, we have make the case for people like should Saquon Barkley go first? Is it Kyler Murray's year already? All this stuff. Uh, five things you might want to change about your league. We have all that going. We also have the Danny C football guys are back on the Ringer NFL show. They're doing I think an eight part fantasy preview. They put their top 50 guys up this week. So if you want more fantasy. Read the ringer.com, go to the Ringer NFL show. And uh, and that's that. Last thing, speaking of the Ringer, we did a new rewatchables podcast. Me and Chris Ryan, 15th anniversary of Collateral, the classic Michael Mann film. Um, not, you know, it's not Jaws, it's not The Godfather, it's not Top Gun, it's not, it's not gonna be the most listened to rewatchables podcast of the year. But here's the thing: every 12, 13 podcasts for the rewatchables, Chris Ryan. We do, the two of us, we do one for us. It's 12 for you, one for us. So we did collateral for this one. You can check that out. And we have another one, I think, coming this week too. It's an action movie from the late 80s. Shea Serrano and Jason Concepcion are going to be involved. That's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, that's it. Coming up, Ryan Rosillo. First, our friends from Tic Tac and Melatonin. Taping this 12.30 West Coast time Tuesday. Ryan Rosillo in-house is coming to the Ringer full-time in September. We announced it last night. Um, one of the rare cases where it's just people were just really nice and happy on Twitter. I, I didn't know what was going on. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. It never dropped. Yeah, I actually am starting to think if we were doing like overrated, underrated, I almost feel a little overrated. I think now. it is. I think yesterday <laughs> was the day. It was the tipping point. Right. And I was between, like, yeah, Rosillo, is he that good? Yeah, I mean, it was it was happy birthday into, oh my God, congrats. But it's been, uh, it's been kind of a long goodbye. You know, when I left the radio show, that was the end of 17. So, yeah. and then I still had time left. And then it was like, hey, why don't we just, you know, see how the next year goes? So um, this is not, you know, I don't, 
there were some plans to do some things. And I was, I was telling a couple of buddies, I was like, you know, look, I really appreciate this. And it does feel really good. There are moments where it's like, Hey, you know what? Actually the world is awesome and life is really good. And well, we haven't you know, even told people what you're going to actually be doing. Do I know the, the political podcast? Well, that's the thing is now that I'm free, I want to do about 90 minutes on every democratic candidate. We had the, Pod Save America guys here in 2016. And they I'm were, ready. Keeping it 1600 pod. I'm ready to step Took in. off within seven months. Trump got elected. They turned it into a business. And now we're going to see if we can redo it. Yeah. So with you. I've got a lot of thoughts. People don't think of you this way, but they should. <laughs> they <laughs> should. They, sh they should not. Uh, <laughs> it was. <laughs> it Damn was, it. You I, had to go in there. People I, were going to believe that. I know. I thought about. I mean, this stuff does interest me to a point, um, but I I used to love the primaries. I used to absolutely love it because I felt like it was the NCAA tournament of human beings. You know, you're I like, feel that well, way now. Yeah, you're like now. I mean, the field right. The, the the tournament expanded to 68, and the Democrats expanded like 27 people in these debates. And I'm just like, man, who's this plucky 12 seed? Like, give me give me a 12 five. Yeah, who, right. Who's like, this lady from Hawaii? She's she's firing three. And then and then the other one. What's what's her name? Who's kind of like the Zen master? I started reading oh, about Marianne Williamson. Yeah, Marianne yeah. Williamson. Obviously, I'm really plugged in. I read this <laughs> 1991 Vanity Fair profile on her. Yeah. Uh, it was like, whoa, yeah. this person's running for president. Yeah. And it's not even 30 years later. Her campaign slogan is don't Google me. Yeah. And I just, I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is amazing. Cause I am like convinced that in, in 20 years, we're going to be debating on like who looked better naked <laughs> in the pick that leaked who's running for president. Yeah, there's no shame. It'll be a no right. shame world. Exactly. So it'll be, it'll be 20 50. Don't and, shame me for my bad decisions. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think these debates remind me of the first episode of a Bachelor season or a Bachelor in Paradise season where you're just, you meet everybody and you're like, hey, my name's Ryan. I live in Manhattan Beach. I'm a sports radio host. Uh, I love, and then it's a shot of you on the boardwalk skateboarding. Yeah. But like that, that way where you're kind of like zigging in and out, yeah. so it just shows how relaxed you are. It's like, I've been hurt Coast. a couple of times, but I really. So then when we have these debates, it's like, hey, I'm Tulsi Gabbard. I'm from Hawaii. Uh, I really feel strongly about this. And they just kind of go and you just kind of meet these people. But, you know, they're not going to be in your life for more than two episodes. You know, they're getting voted off. You know, you can tell immediately it's like, oh, Camel Harris, you're you're in the final four. You're getting you're yeah, going to the right. fantasy suite, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is. This is really good because, like, I used to always think. I think now that I'm not under the ABC umbrella, um, yeah, no shack. I have. Anywhere. There's no way that I'm going to be on The Bachelor, which a lot of people have been pushing for behind the scenes. Um, and I was trying to figure out how people were pushing that. for that. Well, I don't think ESPN was ever going to sign off on that. Um, but if they had, I would have been hosting a much bigger show. I think but, you're too old. I don't think, I think they had that one year where they had older contestants and the ratings were bad. So now it's like 32 is like the max. No, I am too old, but I would, I would bring it in a way no one's brought it before. <laughs> and I, whatever I would lack in age, I would, I would bring <laughs> all baby, baby oiled arms every just, day. You know, I just have thought about like different things I would say when the girls get out of the limo. And, you know, at first they they're going to be like, hair kind of sucks. How fucking old is this guy? <laughs> right. Like, he's even a kid in high school. <laughs> right. You know, and then I just like shake their hand and be like, pretty fucking amazing, huh? 
like <laughs> hotter in person? Are you blown away? All right. Didn't good luck. This. Hey, good luck to you. Hang in there. Yeah. I'll you know? be in there in a second. So try to find this lane between jerk but endearing. You know, so you'd have like some moments and then you I think there was one year where they actually pulled that off with one of those guys. I would never be a side guy. I would never be on the bachelorette. I would just go, can I leave now? <laughs> you could really get into the dynamics of the house. It just, it, it, being older, you would just go, all right. I have to share a room with somebody? Right. I get, what? I don't have a single, <laughs> you know? And then you just go, don't get hammered the first night because first night hammer guy always screws it up. Well, they do intentionally. They uh, absolutely they, they make do, it like they, a nine hour day. Right. They just keep giving they people. Want you. They give people champagne because that immediately just makes you lightheaded. Right. That's like a nephew Kyle move. Two Somebody's glasses like, of champagne, and all of a sudden he's you're doing shots. You can know, I get a piece happened. of ribeye here or something? <laughs> right. No food at all. Yeah, no food. It's no. a lot of like lettuce hummus. cups. <laughs> Here's like some that. hummus and old granddad. But good luck tonight. <laughs> And plus, nobody's eaten for two weeks anyway because they're about to be on camera. Yeah, so they've all like lost eight pounds and been to, you know, steam room or a sauna or whatever, just trying to sweat out those last pounds of water weight. I think the best way to do it would just be to try to bring America along with you, so that you you get them to turn. So at first, when they think you're a jerk, they'd be like, "Wait a minute, this guy invited me to the party. He wants me, the viewer at home, to have a good time, and he doesn't really want to marry any of these people." He just wants me to have the best possible time I can have while watching. Like I know Chad, who was on The Bachelorette, who just went full meathead. I'm going to just get hammered and eat turkey slices and walk around. I know it's going to shock you, but I met him. (laughs) You ran into him. (laughs) And uh, The Equinox. Yeah, we did. We saw him at Equinox. And then we went to this... I was at a party in Venice Beach a couple of years ago and and somebody was like, do you know this guy? I was like, yeah, actually got me watching the show again because I thought he was kind of funny. And, um, you know, he he went so heel, so hard. Yeah. It was tough to get like everybody on your side, even though it was entertaining. I think there's a lane there. I really do think there's a lane. Where- it's been good for him, though. He's on those MTV shows now. Yeah, do you like him on those shows? No, I don't watch those shows. I draw the line at- What's the worst show you're watching right now? What's your guilty pleasure show? The Hills, New Beginnings. I I just did an entire podcast about him, The Ringer Dish. And I can't believe I'm watching it. It's not even a hate watching it. It's more of like, I mean, you have the term hate watch. It's more like a car crash watch. It's, It's basically a cautionary tale for 15 minutes of fame and what happens in like minute 24. The 15 minutes are long gone. And you're just putting back together the pieces of these, this two-year run when it was pretty cool and you were actually kind of famous, and now it's the aftermath. It's good. Did you love The Hills? I kind of liked it, yeah, I did. I did. I liked how it was- Did you like Laguna Beach? I did. Me too. I love, my whole thing is, I like any show where they have that kind of infrastructure of just fantastic editing, good music, great cameras. Nobody really sang anything, but it, everything seems like it's the heat diner scene. You right. know, the kind of intensity, but it's really like- I think I might go on a second date with them, but it's built up for like three minutes. So by the time there's a revelation, it feels substantial. I just like it. I haven't watched the Hawaii surfing show. They did a year and it was like called, uh, God, I can't remember. It was a year with Hawaii surfers. I watched that one. I like anything with the gimmick. You've always been a big surf guy though. So that was a yeah, good that's tie-in. True. True. Yeah, it's when, my happy place. When they found Justin Bobby on the hills, I was like, 
floored. I'm like, where did you find this? This is like Luke Perry, real life. Like the Dylan, like the Dylan McKay storyline of 90210 was the most absurd thing ever. Like he's just a high school kid that happened to also Could like live in hang, a hotel by himself. Yeah. And then would also like, hey, I'm going to go to Europe and write the best, you know, selling novel. And you're like, you're fucking 16. Like, right? you, like uh, maybe I'll dirt bike in Belgium. And you're like, what, how? And yet it worked. It just worked because it was so stupid. And then Justin Bobby actually existed. Like the guy was wearing a wool cap in LA summertime working on motorcycles. And you're just like, what? And obviously Adrena was like in. <laughs> and I'm like, do you blame her? And then you're thinking like this, you found this guy? Like you found a real dude who did this? She's still crying about him. If you, if you, no in way. The Hills New Beginning. Yeah. They tried to kind of, she had a kid. It didn't work out. They got back together. And uh, it's really depressing. I saw her in Manhattan Beach once. That's Could the be. end of that story. Could be. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, you're coming, you're starting in September. Dual threat is moving to three times a week during the football season, right. but it's not going to be all football. No, we're going to, it's going to be a combination of your old ESPN podcast and the current dual threat podcast merged into a three time a week, something. Right. So and then when that football season ends, cuts down to two, and then you come back on mine for like that 22 week stretch during NBA. And then pop on some other stuff too. Like you did the town rewatchables last week. Uh, I, I know we're going to get nominated for stuff. I don't know what, I don't, you know, I know the Peabody committee is, is circling it. Uh, I don't know what the podcast Grammys are, but I'm sure it's a lock. We'll, well see. We're talking about the town rewatchables. Yeah. It went that well. You think we'll get nominated for something? I just think we're, I think we're in the award buzz. I think we'll see in December, but I think, you know, We'll see. We'll see People how it think goes. that's the only reason I got a deal here. People the town like, rewatch yeah, was? Yeah, the company was on the fence. Like we're on the fence and then yeah. that happened. The They're shine like, stepdad thing. Like he just showed up through a no-hitter. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we're very happy to have you. Uh, it makes sense. We're going to figure out some digital on-camera stuff as well. And uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Very excited. Let's talk about football. Two things that happened this week. Normally, I don't get excited about football in... Uh, in the in the dregs of August. Tom Brady, let's start there. The weird, he's selling his $39 million mansion in Chestnut Hill, which is right behind the Pine Manor soccer field where I played youth soccer when I was a kid. So there you go. Are you going to buy it? Thinking about it. Could go back there, try to relive the glory days. Um, the timing of it was weird because nobody moves now. His kids are in school. You don't like pull your kids out of school in November and move them to Greenwich. So it does seem like it's a shot across the bow. But I, I just, I can't figure out the Brady. Is it Bow? Shabow. That's what I meant. Okay. Just I'm a big below deck guy, but we didn't I, get to I didn't that mean in that. our reality that show part. Um, the Brady Patriots relationship reminds me of the movie Eyes Wide Shut, which I've been watching for a while because we're doing a rewatch. It was about it this fall and I'm trying to figure it out. It's this marriage where not everything is being said and there's underlying stuff and they might just be able to get through it fine all the way to the end. But every once in a while, something bubbles up, but it always has the potential to just go off the rails like it did in that movie. And I can never totally figure it out. He's, they redo his deal. Now it's just a 2019 deal. He gets more money, but he has no security after this year. And then they ask him about it and he's like, it is what it is. And then he puts his house on the market. Like this all seems like a big deal, but then he's 42 years old. Like how fucking long can he even keep playing? 
And then it's like, do they do this just for the drama? I can't figure it out. I'm just confused by the story is where I'm leaving you. Okay. Uh, no, I, I think you bring up every good point and there's not really anything to, to debate there. Uh, I'd start with the real estate thing though. How many times have we been wrong about where a player is going or what they're going to do based on a real estate rumor? I mean, how many bad real estate rumors have you heard? Over I feel years? like we're two for two in the NBA with Kawhi and, and uh, LeBron. Yeah. But Kawhi also registered his kids in school in Toronto. Remember that one? Yeah, it was a red herring. Okay. All right. Uh, LeBron, when the NBA, when I hear, oh, NBA guy has house in LA, Dude, all these guys have houses. Yeah, but he out bought here. two next to each other. That was to me the red flag. Okay, but he LeBron also in supposedly Brentwood. what was it when he went back to Cleveland the first time in 2014? He was supposedly because of his giant house gonna gonna do it because of the house here, and they were gonna get the kids. I mean, KG's house in Malibu it was constantly. Oh, he's gonna come out here. He's gonna come out here. But and the it thing actually is, never when, happened. When you buy two giant houses next to each other in Brentwood, like that's like where Al Michaels lives. You're not, if you're coming to LA for a week, you're not going to be like, oh, so where'd you get the house? Yeah, we're in Brentwood. We're going to be spending the, the the week there. Like that's not, that's a place you live. You don't Yeah, that's not a Malibu Brentwood. house. You're right. You're right. But, uh, you know, the Peyton Manning West Hartford one is my favorite ever. Like oh, what was, was, I don't even really know that one. He was going to get Monday Night Football and it was because he was buying a house in West Hartford. I was out to dinner. I was sitting, my routine that's would be like, one. I'd go to a restaurant bar, I'd watch a game, get out of the house, sit there, eat some chicken parm and- a guy in West Hartford comes up to me. He's like, he goes, you know, who's going to be our new neighbor? I'm like who? He's like Peyton Manning. Like just bought a house here. I go, that makes no sense <laughs> because he doesn't need to have a hey, house in West he Hartford. That? He doesn't like, I can guarantee you the Peyton Manning deal at ESPN. If he were coming to ESPN to do Monday night football, when that was the rumor is that you would never have to be in West Hartford. Gruden didn't ever Gruden didn't live on Trumbull street. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Gruden was probably there twice in five years. So, okay, so he puts it he puts it on the market. I mean, there's obviously other parts of this that could be financial where you just go, hey, you know what? Maybe real estate's been on fire for a bunch of years, so it's time to move on. All right, so now that we get into the facts of what we have, Tom Curran is usually really good on Brady, Belichick, specific Agreed. stuff. Uh, guy I trust. Yeah. Um, he just did an interview today where he said Brady's not happy. He's not happy about this. But- I think you and I would agree that like some of the Seth Wickersham stuff that came out and you may have hated that it was it felt very anti-Patriots, but I think there was some real like smoke there that there's whenever it's like two guys that are this great in Belichick and Brady, it's not rare for the younger guy in the relationship to feel like, hey, you know what? Like I'm I'm pretty good at what I do, too. And maybe I don't want to get treated the same way. Like I expect in a couple of years, you and I are going to have that fight. And maybe even two months from now, <laughs> you know, it's a, bit, a little bit like the Theo Lucchino thing, right? Where Theo Epstein's going, hey, I'm really good at this. Yeah. Like, I know you guys grabbed me and made me an intern in San Diego, but I'm just kind of sick of the, the pat on the head shit. Right. And so I think there was some truth to some of that stuff with Brady, but it doesn't mean that this is this bad relationship because all this stuff came out before they went ahead and won another freaking Super Bowl. So- yeah, it's not bad, but it's definitely not as 100% functional as you would think, considering how much everybody's won and how much money everyone's made. My So why does he keep taking the discounts? If he's not happy with what he got, then why does he keep doing been, this? He's been pretty clear about he feels he all he cares about is Super Bowl rings, and it's a competitive advantage for him, and he can make money somewhere else. I, the cap has gone up like 60 to $70 million in a very short amount of time. It's true. I wonder... See, this is my fear as a Pats fan. I wonder if he's retiring after this year and this is all like smoke and mirrors for, they just didn't want to say he's retiring after the year. 
and have that be the storyline that just dominates the whole season. So they're paying him up front. They gave him more money, knowing that you can't do that if he retires after the year. And then they're just going to be like, the th- only the three of us know. Nobody fucking say anything. When people ask you about this, whatever. That, that to me, ties all the puzzle pieces together. Because then that would explain why you're selling your house. That would explain why you took more money up front and didn't push it back. All that stuff. Okay, but if you were going to be that calculated and making sure that never, you know, no one's ever going to find out, which doesn't happen. How many people know it's Bob Kraft, the son, Jonathan, Belichick, Brady, that's it. And the, and Brady's agent, maybe. So that's five people. Okay, total Brady, who would you know. don't think Giselle's going to know? Yeah, that she is kind of a wild card. Right. So She's that's the one who spilled all, the beans on at least two concussions that we weren't supposed so, to know about. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not saying she's, too, she's too, calling Tom Curran, but I, I'm just, like you can start doing the game. Only this person knows. Only this person knows. We know how this shit works. Like eventually, somebody's going to say something to somebody else, and it could be craft telling one person that's the wrong person, and so maybe it gets out. But I do think if this were the whole plan, hey, we're going to be this calculated, then why would you go ahead and list the house immediately after you did a contract that apparently you didn't like again? And why do the contract that you didn't like again? You're a contract. That, that's that's nobody my point. put a gun in your head and said restructure this. He could have just been like, no. Not doing it. The Patriots, the way they use the cap space is always unique, for lack of a better word, where they're always the team that has like seven, eight, nine million left and can just restructure deals on a whim and like August 22nd and everybody else is tied up for the most part. And I never, I don't know the strategy behind that. It's like when that, when that Green Bay, Mike Daniels, when he became available and we had all this cap space, I'm using we like I'm on the team. I was like, oh, cool. This is why they saved the cap space for a guy like that. And then he just signs with the Lions. So they've always had this buffer. And it seems like it's always ends up being used for stuff like this, restructuring deals, creating more cap space, but it becomes like this Ponzi scheme. We're just rolling stuff over. I'd, I'd love to know the timing of the cap space thing. Cause I think over the years when I've looked up their cap number, you know, as the season's gone along, I mean, there's been times where they've been close to being capped out once the season got there's rolling. Been sometimes. And that could be restructuring, but it also could be something where they just, I mean, if you were Belichick and over the years, the thing he's probably best at is getting that vet who's cut somewhere else. And you get those guys on such discounts. Like I'll never understand yeah. how, if I'm a guy who's like 33 and I'm really good and I've been with the team for a bunch of years, almost like the Rodney Harrison thing. I'm just going to some examples. And it's like, hey, you're on the books for like five and a half million this next year. And you go, oh, that's way too much. Okay, well, we're not paying you that. And then they sign somewhere for like nothing. And you're like, well, why, why couldn't the original team had said, we don't want to pay you 5.5. It's, what it's about like, two? there's like, it's such hurt feelings that it's just understand in football business that you end up getting him as a discount somewhere else. So maybe it's the Patriots going, hey, let's see what happens after preseason three and four cuts. And then we have some of that Base that's there, but back to Brady. Well, I, I will hold on one point on that. John Skipper told me this once a long time ago. He said the hardest thing to do when you're a boss is to tell somebody they're getting a pay cut. If somebody's making X and you go to them and you're like, okay, now now you're gonna make Y. It never goes well. No, but that's that's totally understandable, right? Because once you see that money. And you go, this is what I expect to make. This and the place that you're at is like, we don't think you're as good as you were as you were when we gave you that. Or we overestimated how good you were when we gave you that. And now we feel you're worth this. It never works out. Nobody's like, cool. 
<laughs> All right. So I'm I agree. 75% <laughs> as much. Good call. I had yeah. that I had that Dwight Howard comeback player of the year take. <laughs> that was a that was I could have done a better job. I um, interrupted you. What, what was your last No, point but there? I'm glad you got that in there because I mean that's just that's been the trend that you see in the NFL all the time. But I, I would always still be like, why couldn't you just made a few million? But you're right. It's hard feelings. to it's hard to come back yeah. from. Uh the Brady thing, you know, I was going through it again today. And, and three years ago, I remember arguing with people going, okay, well, I mean, he can say, hey, I'm going to play in 045, but we're going to sit here and accept it. And here we are kind of like entering year four of when I think he first said that yeah. he can play like another five. And I think the Super Bowl does cover up the fact that times last year, maybe more so than he had looked in a long time, we were like, wait, is he starting to slip here a little we've had it the last two years that so that was my other take on this whole thing like how long is this going to keep happening i wonder if belichick <laughs> who as we all know is one of the all-time savants right and probably i'm not goes, texting by the way i'm this is research i did earlier i am uh i'm positive he watches every single play of the season after the fact and probably watch every brady throw again and then goes to like ernie adams or wherever the hell he has around him and Maybe there's a possibility he was like, Brady just wasn't that good last year. We scored 10 points in the Super Bowl. We should have. That's a little misleading, though, because no, 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 I felt like they were moving the ball on them and it was like going to. I know it's 10 I'm just, points, but I'm just there, playing this out. There were some weird hidden points that didn't happen. Anymore. He's looking at it and he's going, We scored 10 points in the Super Bowl. He threw a pick in the Chiefs game that if D4 is not offsides, our season's over. He's going to be 42. It's only going to get worse, not better from this point on. We have to start planning for the next five years because I want to win a Super Bowl without him. Hey, Tom, this is it. We're done after this year. We'll pay you whatever you want this year. If you want to keep playing after that, knock yourself out. Go play for the freaking Vikings, wherever you want to go. Knock yourself out. But this, we're done after this year. Here's a lot of money. It's not impossible. I don't think it's true. And I really think the Crafts, I think Bob Kraft would just, the thought of Brady and another team, I think he'd be a, a blubbering mess. I think he'd be so upset. I mean, the Orchid Spa and Brady leaving in the same year, that'd be tough. Like losing both of those things. He fucking loved, loved the Spa. He loves Brady. <laughs> but no, I, So I don't uh, know. So this is like this weird dance, which brings me back to the eyes wide shut thing. It's like not a perfectly happy marriage. Something's wrong but it feels like they're going to navigate through it and maybe some people will get killed. Right, but they just they just <laughs> did, right? They just did it again. So for Yeah. you know, there can be things going on that aren't great and that if you found out about them you'd be like, "Oh, that seems like a problem." But then again, like uh, whenever somebody's like, "Oh, well this isn't going that well or this isn't working out." I go, "Well, wait a minute. Describe to me like how do you grade something not going well?" Somebody goes 11 and 5, it means things aren't going well or like the way we talk about different things being successful or not successful. I think it's so results-based that it's like, if, if you don't win, um, you know, like I've, I've heard people say like, oh, well, you know, look at, look at Nick Saban now and all the turnover he's had in that coaching staff. And now it's starting to like, you know, this is, this is going to be the downfall of Alabama. Yeah. It's like, they just won the SEC again and they just played in another national championship game. So, so tell me, tell me what isn't working. Yeah. I know they got smoked by Clemson, but that's, that's arguably, the most lopsided loss that Saban's ever had there after 2007. So 
Is, this, it, is it really not working? So, you know, I mean, this team just won a Super Bowl. And we're going to talk about all these things that are going on that you, we've read about or rumblings about. And now, like, this is further proof that this season could be in a turmoil. If, I mean, if this team's proven anything, it's that turmoil doesn't affect them the way it does other teams. Yeah, if they got through that whole story two years ago, the Wickersham thing, they made the Super Bowl the last four years. Yeah, so the, I, don't, the I think, year I think before it's that, The year before that... <laughs> They almost made the Super Bowl. They lose to Denver 2018. Brady's concussed in the second half or the last drive whenever he got hurt. Um, Gronk's open for the two-point conversion. We're almost headed to OT. So you think like if you look at the NFL, I think the NFL and the NBA are the two sports you can really look at in terms of five-year runs. I don't know about baseball. I just feel like you can spend enough in baseball to stay relevant. But those two sports specifically, because I was thinking about this Warriors the five-year run they just had and the whole concept of so for some teams, it's four for some teams, it's five, the Celtics with KG, it really should have been four. And then that last year was kind of gifted to them because Derek Rose got hurt and all of a sudden they're almost in the finals. Uh, the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. That was, they won three in a row, almost one in 03, almost one in 04. It's over. You know, the Spurs, that last Spurs run where it's like 2011 could have made the finals. 2012, everyone thought they were the best team in the league. Then OKC gets hot, knocks them out. 13-14, make the finals, win in 14. 15, really good Spurs team, ends up losing a bloodbath to the Clips. Nice five-year run after we thought they were done. Yeah, that was like a second five-year run for them. Right. So you're trying to do a Patriot bookend here in a five-year run. I'm like just saying they've, a- they've had re- weirdly three five-year runs with Brady. They, that, they had that first one that they that they did. They had that next one from like 07 to 11 through when they lost the Giants Super Bowl. And then that third one really started the Denver one and went all the way to here, where they've been the best team in the league for the last five years. And I think they have less weapons than they've ever had. Yeah, but I, the I also- The Gronk thing's a massive, massive thing this year. Okay, it's a, it's a massive thing because of who the replacements are. Like I yes. was going through the depth chart the other night, like Benjamin Watson's got the four-game suspension. It's, um, it's a bunch of like I mean, they, people yeah, who are 50 and Madden. Kendricks, it's, um, you know, they try to trade for that guy from Detroit. Like that didn't work out. Like I was going through it. I'm going, man, this is really thin at a position that they prioritize a ton. They but, lost an A-plus blocker who in a big drive could make a couple plays every time. Yeah, I just think it's important to remind ourselves that they're not He's losing not A-plus Gronk. They're no. not replacing. The Gronk you're replacing from last year is not the Gronk that was this absolute nightmare matchup. Like, I don't think he got the same kind of separation consistently last oh, year. not at all. But, but he was like having another left tackle, but... Yeah, he did murder people by, which he'd always had done. That was weird. Like, when he became not an absolute A-plus receiving option, then on the broadcast, he'd be like, he's really taken a block. and be like, have you not been watching him his whole right. career? He murders guys off the edge. But like, the two biggest games of the year, when they really needed him the most, Chiefs OT... And then that last Rams drive when they scored the TD, he was the dominant guy on those drives. Yeah. So. Yeah. I want to do this, though, because when we sit here and you start wondering, like, should I start? And I don't even mean this as a joke. Like, should I start focusing more on plyometrics? Should I start lengthening muscle instead of building it? Like, I, I, I look at what Brady's doing going. Oh, I like that you're looking at this from a gym corner standpoint. Yeah, is this really a thing? Like, should I get on? The diet, like, is there a way to actually like experience longevity? And then you go and think, okay, so he's he just turns forty two last week, and you compare it to the other QBs. Montana was thirty eight in his last year, 
right? So and I was, it was looking an this old up. 38. He felt like he was 50. By the way, he got his ass kicked. He did. 90, 86, eight games. Well, that, the Jim Bird hit, I think, was the most brutal hit anyone took in the 80s of any QB in a big game. I mean, he was remember. missing time all over the place. Yeah. And then he didn't play in 92. He missed five games in 93. And then his last year, he actually wasn't... get a good Chiefs year. ...bad uh, in that he was better in that second year. But then you look back at it, I mean, just some of the numbers are just so ridiculous. Never threw for 30 touchdowns other than one season. Never threw for 4,000 yards. It's a different sport, though. It's like it's talking totally about three-point right. shooting in the 90s. Jim Kelly... Got his ass kicked, and he was done at 36, and he wasn't really good in that last year. No. Tied his career high in interceptions he's through the, he's 19. He used to bet a lot. I bet a lot against him those last couple of years. Well, um, well, they actually had better records than maybe you remember at the end. And then Marino. Do you remember the beatings Marino used to take? Last at the couple end? of years of Marino was like it a was, statue. It was brutal. I remember in that one Pats game specific, that like one playoff game where they knew all of his calls at the line, like when I was super into it and knew everything. And then yeah. there was a picture of the globe where he was on his on his back. And I'm trying to think, was it Collins, the white guy off the edge that the Pats had? They had somebody who like was in his Todd face. Collins. Yeah, I think it was. Not Walpole, it's Todd Collins, but he the picture the cover of the globe was was marino looking up into the face mask of the patriots guy that was right on top of him and they were like what was the quote and he was like you guys really like kicking the shit out of me don't you and it was ugly like it used to get so ugly and then you compare that with brady that yes it's a different sport you left that way though which i think is an important guy to mention in this conversation because because he aged he aged nicely he he moved into a different point of his career a little more of a game manager but could still make big plays and 96, 97, 98 was really good, you know? And then that was it. Then he stepped out before he had that last terrible year. Like one of the things with Manning was he stayed that year too long. They were still, still amazingly worked. able to win the Super Bowl with him. I know. But I mean, he couldn't throw the football anymore and he wanted to play that next year. And people were like, yeah, we're good. And I think everyone's fear with, uh, with Brady is nobody wants to see that version of him, you know? But even, you know, Elway was 38. Favre was so good in that first year of Minnesota. Yeah. I think that's one of the most impressive seasons oh, yeah. you're ever going to see from a quarterback. Well, we thought he, he was right done, in. too. Well, it was like he went to the Jets to get back at the Packers. Like, talk about serious vendetta. Right. Like, I can respect the hell out of that kind of grudge <laughs> where he's like, I'm so pissed at Green Bay, which yeah. he shouldn't have been because he was the one screwing with he them He was really constantly. bad the year before, too. Well, and he just started doing his own thing, and he was retiring four straight off seasons, and then finally, like, dude, enough. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you, like, you have a problem with me? Like, I can fake retire every fucking year if I want right. to. And they're like, actually, we think this other guy's really good. Yeah. And he's like, well, screw you. I'll go to the Jets just to go to the Vikings in two years. And he was unbelievable that first year with the Vikings. Almost MVP. Who knows what would happen. He was never the same after that, uh, the bounty gate game. And then he was really bad at 41. And so now we're going into a 42-year-old season where Brady, who showed some signs last year Lots of, of, signs. of not being as crisp, which is completely forgotten because they won a Super Bowl. And, you know, people still arguing he's the best quarterback in the league, which I'm like, I don't know that we can say that anymore. Like, I still feel like science has to catch up to this guy despite how pliable his muscles are and how unimpressive he is with his shirt off, which blew people's minds. But you're like, that's his whole approach. We do. It's not about being ripped. We've done this with everybody. I've said it before on the pod. It's coming. You're not fighting it off till age 50. Like he's going to have the year like Kobe's last two Lakers years and 
Peyton Manning that last year, and it's it's gonna happen. But I do you feel like you don't what feel year it is? How uncomfortable are you saying that? Hey, this is the year. Like I'm calling it. This is. I don't think it's gonna be this year. My bigger fear. I'm with, afraid to say it, so I'm not gonna say it either. My biggest fear with this coming year is they is the weapons and the fact that they have a first round pick that I'm not positive they're gonna be re- able to rely on. Harry, yeah. I don't. People are just penciling him like he's gonna be like the th- a third round pick in your fantasy league. It's like that dude. Rookie receivers, it takes a while, you know. And sometimes it's pretty quick as a first rounder. You go, this doesn't work. How they let Renfro? Well, and then Edelman. How could they not get Hunter Renfro on that team? Edelman was hurt a year ago. Um, They have an undrafted rookie, Jacoby Myers, who I already bought my bandwagon seat for, the converted quarterback, classic Patriot pick, who's playing with the first team. Bunch of... Bunch of like just replacement tight ends. Do you think in the draft four they're running like, backs? They're like, who are these two guys? We're like, okay, well, this one guy's been a tight end his whole life. Well, this guy was a bullfighter. <laughs> Belichick's like, what? What? But like, how'd you grade him? They're both how? they're both seventy twos on our grade scale. Well, he was a bullfighter. Let's take the bullfighter. <laughs> this guy surfed with Kelly Slater in two thousand nine. Good edge guy. Uh, let's take a quick break. Hey, a few years ago, no one talked about socks. Nobody. Then Stance changed the game, bringing creativity, design, and quality to what was once a boring accessory. Stance socks, incredible design, comfort, unmatched durability, everyday styles like no-shows and crews, performance athletic socks. They're the official sock of the MLB, official on-court brand of the NBA since 2015. They collaborate with a wide array of artists, athletes, culture, icons, and other brands. Pulp Fiction, Billie Eilish, my daughter's favorite human being. Grateful Dead, Alan Iverson. It's a, it's a long list. Stance gives back to the community through Socks for Heroes, which sends socks to deployed military around the world. Buy them by the pair or sign up for an, a subscription that's based on your timeline. I like Here's why I like Stance socks. You get socks and you kind of know it's somebody, you know, like you're going to date somebody for a couple of weeks, but you know the socks are going to give. Yeah. Like, sure. it's like, this isn't going to be a long fling. Yeah. And then sometimes you get those socks where you're like, wow, this, these socks, I'm going to have these, these for these a while. Socks. Might be three years. There's yeah. not going to be the hole in my heel, you know, two months into this. That's what Stance is like. Great offer for my listeners. Go to stance.com slash BS. You'll get a free pair of socks with your purchase. S-T-A-N-C-E dot com slash BS. Get your free pair of socks. Limited time offer. Better than the Red Sox. Unfortunately, go to stance.com slash BS. If they're not stance, they're just socks. All right. So we didn't resolve the Brady thing because the Brady thing's not resolvable. He's doing stuff that has no parallel to anything that's ever happened. So neither of us are going to go on the record and be like, Brady's done. This is it there. Cause we don't know. I think the contract thing's a little strange. And I also think there's nothing to talk about. So people are going to blow out of shape. Anyway, the Zeke Elliott thing. So he's played three years. I, I wouldn't call them uneventful off the field those three years. He was good on the field. He's got two years left on his rookie deal, and then he's a free agent. And he's attempting to do something that nobody has done before in the NFL. He's holding out with two years left on his rookie deal, and he's basically going to play chicken with them. And the, the ammo that he has is, you can't tell me that running backs don't matter. You drafted me fourth in the entire NFL draft. So they have to matter if you just spent the fourth pick in the draft three years ago on a running back. You can't now tell me that all running backs are replaceable. You can get anybody. You can win Super Bowls without a running back. Why'd you take me fourth? Pay me. 
that's the case, I think, for Zeke. This is a, a classic example of absolutely understanding both sides where I go, yeah. all right, Zeke, like, give it a shot. Go for it. But if I were Jerry Jones, I'd be laughing at you. Be like, yeah, we took you high because we liked you, not because we thought we were going to have to pay you two years before we need to. And just because Todd Gurley got money two years. And look, the Todd Gurley deal was one of the dumbest contracts in, in recent NFL history. Because they knew he wasn't 100% healthy. I'm not even going on the hell. I'm not he doing revisionist history. Knee. Other teams were like, what? Yeah. Okay. Like you didn't need to do it a year ahead of time. And the excuse for it is, well, we had eight or nine guys that were going to be up. Welcome, welcome to running a football team. Yeah. Like you didn't, if, if you didn't worry about him holding out, you didn't have to give him 45 million guaranteed at a price where, look, we saw, you know, Chip Kelly got called all sorts of things by people that wanted to have good TV segments. And the reality was he didn't want LaShawn McCoy at $12 million as cap hit at a position where he felt like he could get value and spread that money around. Okay. Yeah. That was it. That's all it was. David Johnson hasn't been worth it. Uh, Devontae Freeman hasn't been worth it. Todd Gurley, you gave him $45 million. I'm not even doing, like I'm saying, I'm emphasizing this again. I'm not saying this only because he's hurt because at the time when I was doing the first dual threats, I was like, man, that still doesn't really make a ton of sense. Why did you need to do this? But what happens is kind of like, remember the Barry Zito contract from the San Francisco Giants where they paid him like $125 million and it didn't make any sense whatsoever. And then Thanks just, for not doing a Red Sox contract there. Good. You're welcome, Jack Clack. Um, Every other lefty then was like, oh, Zito got $125 million? Like, that's what we want. And you go, this isn't a neighborhood real estate comp thing. If somebody screws up the market and pays too much, then they pay too much. So Zito's argument- That happens in every market, not just sports. Right, but if- One dumb deal can make everybody go, oh, they, they got that. Yeah, like our, our backyard's way better. So if Zeke's making that argument, and what I've heard is that he wants a gap beyond the 60 million 45 guaranteed that Gurley got, and he wants it two years before- then I would just be like, all right, dude, enjoy Cabo. Enjoy Cabo. And the fact that I'm supposed to pay you, like it sounds like they're willing to pay him more money. Okay, that's great. But there's this other parallel that I'm going to kick back to you is, do you think this is a couple NFL guys with Zeke and Melvin Gordon and maybe Le'Veon Bell, what he just did, and Antonio Brown definitely flexed his muscles and and you know that was, that was different, older guys. But I wonder if this is kind of a an influence thing by the NBA, like the power flex that we've seen from the NBA players the last few years. If some of these NFL it's guys- It's generational. Like, yeah. Oh, so you think it's generational? You don't well, think it's influenced by it? I think it's influenced by it, but I actually think I'm going to flip it back on you. What if this influenced the NBA? We haven't had an NBA holdout in a long time. It doesn't happen. What if we had, let's say Jalen Brown, smart guy, Berkeley, nine months, but still- Smart enough to get into Berkeley. Um, didn't get the extension this summer. By the way, I'm not saying aggregators. Do not aggregate this and say I'm predicting this. I'm This is all hypothetical. Jamal Murray gets 170. Ben Simmons gets 170. The Celtics look at Jalen and be like, yeah, let's see what happens this year. What if he's like, no, actually, I don't want to see what happens this year. I, I want, I'd, I'd like to get what Jamal Murray and Ben Simmons got or something close. Or I'm just not going to play. I'm good. I'm, I've already banked some money. I'll just do some speaking tours. I'll have a podcast. I'll be fine. I'm going to join the Ringer or the Jalen Brown podcast. Um, Would that be tampering? Pay me more. We haven't had we haven't had this happen in basketball in forever. 
And if Zeke stares down the barrel at Jerry Jones, old teetering Jerry Jones, who just wants to win a Super Bowl, you know, he's, what is he, like 75 now? That's the leverage play the, that everybody- The leverage of the, is on the is, owners. Like, you think your career is short. You might be dead in like five years. So I'm not going to play. Let's let's have a staring contest. And if Jerry caves, this might usher in this new era of people on rookie deals going, yeah, fuck you. Pay me now. Like, what happens if a quarterback does this? What happens if Mahomes does this tomorrow? Yeah, my deal's not fair. You know I was the MVP last year. I don't even think Mahomes could do it, though, until, like, they can't do a new deal for him until, what, after year three, I think, anyway? All right, so the, so whenever he's eligible, I, I, don't, I could be wrong on that. But I'm I don't. Just, I'm I got to say, I, I don't. I don't mean to sound like an uneducated ass. I don't know what the threshold is for stuff like this. But at some point, I would say Mahomes would be the ultimate test case for this because he is the most valuable asset in the league right now. He's be the number one pick in any trade value column. If I wrote an NFL trade column, Mahomes is one. So what if he says, "Yeah, fuck it, pay me." Well, the team with. Mahomes would be like, well, not only do we have your contract for two more years with an option, we can franchise you. So we're just, I mean, we're we're not going to do this. So if you want to go ahead and retire after maybe the greatest season we've seen from an individual, you can go ahead and retire. What if he calls about it? There's just no way. No one would ever expect it. I think that's what it would come down to. Like, did if you I ever expect team- Kawhi Leonard would would do what he did with the Clippers and then sign for another two year deal? Did you ever expect Durant? Yeah, but he's Kyrie not would retiring. Play Kawhi saying, knew all that money was for still me, coming. Mentally, everything's on the table with athletes now. Everything, nothing would surprise me anymore with an athlete. Katie and Kyrie going to Brooklyn like broke my brain. That was the most surprising of all. Yeah, the it things. was like a culmination of nineteen things this decade. Everything's on the table though. Okay, so if we go back to the Zeke thing, yes, people have said, you know, Zeke is looking at Jerry Jones going, well, if you want a Super Bowl so bad, like, but do I want a Super Bowl so bad? Do I feel like I'm incapable of winning this thing without you? When we've seen how replaceable some of these guys are, not saying that Zeke is replaceable because we all understand how good he is, but I just, I wouldn't be giving in on this stuff if if I were an owner. I'd I'd be like, hey, look, I respect, and I'm not even knocking Zeke for trying to get that money because it sounds like he was still going to get a raise anyway. And first well, I think, of all, I would have never drafted a running back. I don't care how good. I wouldn't have taken Saquon Barkley too. Uh, I just, I, I just love, wouldn't love that guy. I know you already was. Was the pod last year that we first did the dual threat where you were arguing he may be the greatest running back of all time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> still arguing it. <laughs> Haven't wavered. I think I saw you in the hallway and you were like, "Hey, do you want me to come on?" I just I wander the streets of Hollywood and tell people that he's the best running back I've ever seen. Uh, here's the, here's the real problem: you can't pay a quarterback the big price and the running back, the big price on the same team. You could do it. You're just not going to have a very good team. No, nobody's ever been able to navigate that in the 21st century. I, th- I think probably, well, I just like don't think you should. Kurt I, Warner, Marshall Fox, probably the last time um, we saw somebody even try to, or maybe edge James Manning. I don't know. I don't know when it started, but um you just can't really do it anymore. I don't understand though why so many people would just be like, "Well, you can't have two guys at twenty five million, and then you can't build out the rest of your roster." Like, you guys seriously get like ten million every year extra. I mean, the NBA cap forever would be well, like, I think "Hey, Belichick we went from sixty one to sixty two, like, oh, it's at sixty three eight now." Like, yeah, yay! I mean, that's that's nothing. And the in the NFL every year, and on top of the way you could structure some of the stuff, you could start doing some things because it's just easier. There's more flexibility and freedom to figure out your sheet to do this, knowing that there's TV deals coming around the corner in two years. So 
I think what you're presenting, and I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I mean that that stare down would be okay, Mahomes. You seriously want to retire after, like, say he plays this year, and then he's like, okay, I want this deal. Like Russell Wilson got his new deal a year before they had to, but they felt like, hey, you know what? Like, let's. We, he's been the best bargain in team sports. So why don't we just step up and I pay Russell I think a year Wilson? before is is totally understandable. What, That's fine. What, what's yeah. flipped now is the two years before. That's a different animal. And if you're saying, well, the reason it happens in football, it doesn't happen in basketball, it's for the obvious differences between the two sports. But the basketball part of this is that some of the way it's structured too, right, is that a quarter, or excuse me, just a regular extension, sometimes there's more complications. It wasn't so much with the rookie ones where Jalen didn't get one, but other guys were like, Beal doesn't want to take his extension now, or Kyrie didn't want to take his extension before because there was a benefit of holding off on it anyway. Well, do you feel like we've hit some some new generational thing now, just in general with all this stuff where the whole sports is a business thing? These young guys now have learned from the previous generations that sports is a business dating back to forever. And now they're approaching from the moment they get into the league as a business themselves first over the team, which kind of under undermines the concept of a team in some ways, because, you know, if, if you're just thinking, give me the most possible money right now, then every team is going to have to figure out who their one guy who makes the most money is. They're not going to be able to just kind of align them the way we've done in the past, which means like they almost would have to reinvent the football salary cap, I guess would be my long-winded point. The, uh, the, the new way of doing it does not work with the old way of doing the salary cap. Um, I, don't know that if it's, I don't know that it's a salary cap issue, okay, with, with what you're saying. Uh, so like that, off of that point. Well, it's a salary cap issue when you've already made your salary moves for a season and then your running back comes in and is like, pay me more. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, like at that point, you're talking you're, specific to that. I, I thought you meant yeah. sort of overall and how you were. Well, it's it's two pronged, right? It's like, what's your mindset for how you construct a roster? But also, like, if somebody's just going to throw a red herring in August and you're not ready for it, and you've already committed your money the other way, and you know you have to pay Dak and all the things they have to do, I I wonder if they're going to have to fix the salary cap in some way and make it so that it's a little more malleable. I've never understood the dead cap money thing. So it's an average, the way it works, and no one ever talks about it, but like you don't have to, the NBA, you have to write a check whatever you're below the 90% of the cap. Like at the end of the year, you're writing a check to every other player. And it's one of my favorite things ever when teams think that the players are going to get it. And then they do something late, and then the locker room finds out like those bonus. And they checks. get pissed. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, it's happened a couple of times. Yeah. It happened Hanky did with the Sixers, and it happened with Portland once too. Um, the NFL, you don't write that check if you if you achieve the floor on an average of four of the five years. So. You know, it, this is all hard. This is the Cincinnati Bengals rule, right? Yeah, this is all like hard capped in a way, right? Hey, you're a player, you make 50%, okay? So whatever revenue's coming in, you guys are all still making 50%, but whatever you sign for, like it's going to flex a little bit this way or the other. But it's not, how do we get to 90% of the floor? How do we get to 90% of the floor in the NFL? There's kind of like a, hey, we didn't want to spend it this year, and then we can carry this over, which I'd always wondered if there was a way to do that in the NBA. I've talked about this for years, where instead of being forced to spend... 20 million on JJ Reddick for one season. You could to credit get to the floor. it. Like a could, PayPal? Yeah, you could credit it. But as soon as you start saying that stuff, like, no, no, players, trust us. Like, this will work out. They're immediately, no one, none of players. Michelle Roberts is going to be like, yeah, great idea. You well, guys wonder, don't have to spend. I, so, do you think 
if you could pick one system or the other, but both leagues would have to have it. All contracts are guaranteed in both leagues or the NBA has to adopt the model that the NFL has where it's like guaranteed money up front, but it might, you might not necessarily get there. So if there's a John Wall situation, guess what? You're not guaranteed you're 170. Chris Paul situation, he re-signs with Houston for four-year extension for 190, whatever it was. And it's like 80 million is guaranteed. So they pay him that one year and now it's like you could do some chicanery if you wanted to get out of it. Okay, this is a fascinating question because- Because more and more basketball players are getting hurt now all the time. And you, you, you could argue- Wait a minute, I thought they were healthier now because they're resting more and they changed the schedule. It does, seems like they're getting hurt more. Wait a minute, they spaced it out. There's less four and five, there's less back-to-backs. I thought that meant everyone was gonna be healthier. That's what I read. That's, that's not how it played out. <laughs> Wait a minute, are you sure? I read a lot about this. We just had Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant. How many guys went down? Kawhi can only play 60 hey, games and, a year. And, and, Anthony Davis never plays 82. LeBron got hurt. These guys aren't playing full seasons as I much. Don't, I don't want to distract us too much to get back to your question about which format would you rather have. But, I mean, the infamous Daryl Vegas pod, he, like, shut down the science on the rest thing. That's, like, the second GM in that that week of being in Vegas I was like, hey, what do you think about some of the rest stuff? And he's like, science is all over the place. He's like, I don't know what to believe. And then Daryl was in that pod and goes, yeah, I don't really know what to believe. I was like, whoa, Mr. Data? Yeah, they have no idea. So, all right, this is good. Because um, I think the most important thing, though, to say, okay, say John Wall, right? John Wall, what would he sign for in an open market? But what would he sign for in an open market as a full free agent? Or what would he sign with a franchise tag? Because- even though, and I, I feel like I got this wrong when I started talking about franchise tags a little while ago, where I think the number that I read was 11 players have actually played with the tag over four years. So the players aren't going to care. If it's only 11 players, who cares? They're not going to vote against it. But that's not the point. The fact that it exists impacts everybody at the high end. Right. It's not that 11 players were it's impacted the leverage by it. That matters. Yes, it's that it exists. So, you know, Mahomes doesn't have the leverage he would normally have. Like if Andrew Luck got to real free agency, south of 30 years old, I know he's had the injury history, but let's face it, if he was just like a real free agent, like a free agent, free agent, the way like a pitcher is in baseball, where all the contracts are the same, like I go to the Dodgers for 10 years or I can stay here for nine, there's no bird rights, there's no max salary, super max advantage. If it were just a free for all, what's a quarterback worth that's 30 and who's awesome on the open market. Like, you want to tell me you can't get to 150 million guaranteed from these guys? Of course you would. So you would think their argument would be it's so many players on a roster, it's too debilitating to put out that. Yeah, but much I'm talking guaranteed. guaranteed. I'm talking that's oh, what I mean. You, you think guaranteed? See, I think average annual salary, you would you would convince me there'd be some concerns. I on think the, the owners are more scared about the guaranteed, but here's the thing: they're all making gobs of money. Like they make so much money owning an NFL team. And they could sell the team immediately for more than they paid it. We just saw it with the Carolina. Carolina becomes available because Jerry Richardson's a fuckhead. And he's got multiple suitors immediately and they're bidding against each other and he makes a ton of money for it. So Yeah, but remember too, though, the football rule that they have that they don't have in basketball is that all the guaranteed money has to go into escrow immediately. So it's an old accounting trick Mm. back in the day that it was kind of like, we just want to make sure the players are protected here in case some owner is buying the New York Islanders. And it's a total phony. 
And John Spano. Now you look at it and go, well, how many is that really impacting? And, you know, look, I talked to Mort a year ago about the Khalil Mack thing, and he goes, that was still an issue with the Oakland Raiders. Other people in the media said, absolutely not. It's not an issue. Mark Davis has plenty of money. I'm like, does he? Does he have 70 million cash? Liquid cash. Yeah. Yes. I mean, liquid is way different. You know that paper liquid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as well as it now. So, you, you know that. So well, wait a but that's a good example of two really high priced guys and Gruden looked at it and said, I'm not doing this. I mean, the Patriots, Kevin Clark's written a couple pieces about this for us. They just don't splurge on one guy. They would much rather have a bunch of guys in that seven to eleven million range and do it that way. Whenever they've splurged, other than Stefan Gilmore, I mean, Belichick's splurge record is bad. It's bad. Gilmore's been a success, I think. It has, but that was even with one year where you were like, what the hell's going on with this You know guy? what I really love? There was that, there's, it's happened two times with the NBA where they had the amnesty clause. And it was this get out of jail free card for dumb contracts. And just about everybody used it. Now the contracts were longer back then. You had six years, seven years. Now, shorter contracts, harder to do. But it was so funny how many people made these massive mistakes. You know, it's like, and mistakes that's that they made like a point, year though. earlier, the same GM. Oh, right, right. But you that's know, kind of like, my oh, point shit, is that we get rid of that. you go, okay, here are all our guys that we want. And guess what? We're probably going to miss out on both of them. But shit, we still have $25 million in cap space. So is it worth it to give Al Harrington this much money? No. Well, remember the Johan Petro, yeah. Jordan Farmer, the Nets, when they struck out on everybody? And they Andres had that sad press conference. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Say that one again. <laughs> they had that. They struck out at everyone in 2010 when they got, I think, I think Prokhorov had taken over yeah, and they yeah. signed those four guys and they had that sad picture of the four of them holding their jerseys up. And it was like Johan Petro, Jordan Farmer, and like two other guys. Petro like was decent from the elbow. I'll give him that. <laughs> but let, let's get back to like, because if it were just all gear, if it was all NBA structured, okay. In with, NFL. In the NFL. I think the NFL guys get way more, like, there's way more fairness in their contracts than they want to admit. When, when you're getting this money guaranteed and you're at the top end, like it's kind of like getting guaranteed money. If you're going to sit there and tweet about, oh my gosh, I was owed, you know, 14 million in year five of this deal. It's like, well, you're the, you're either pandering for sympathy or you don't understand how contracts work. Like, I think most players should know that, yeah, like these years at the end here are fake. So I'd rather in a way have all the NFL money be guaranteed. I don't know that it would really change I think it would just change structures of contracts, but I still think the they'd top still guys be spending the same money. Yeah, they'd still be getting their money. It would be structured a little differently, and it may hurt some of the mid-level guys a little bit more because it's like, hey, I can't do this this fake deal. So if you're going to do a two-year six million, like that's the best I can do. And so I wonder if it could do sixteen. Yeah, if it was like two-year, three-year deals max, and everything was guaranteed. I, uh, but you know, it is important though to point out, like I'm not anti the NFL guys having guaranteed contracts at all. I would like them to not have, I would like it to be harder for the owners because I think the owners, like some of the average annual salary stuff, I, I don't understand why it hasn't gotten higher. I don't, I'm not anti paying players. I, I'm anti having a high salary cap hit on running backs. It's proven time and time again, that that's just where the, the league isn't going that way. And I don't think it's because 32 guys became stupid. I think it's because they all became smarter. I've had a lot of bad ideas, but one of my best ideas ever was an NFL salary cap idea. And I think I thought of it going way back to when Willie McGinnis had to leave because, you know, Cleveland's offering this and the Pats have a cap and you hit a point where 
get this guy in there in his 30s who's a defensive end. You're not going to – who can't even play every down anymore. But I thought there was some way to do it where the longer somebody's on your team, the easier it becomes to keep him on your team basically. So let's say uh, who's been on the Pats for a while now? Julian Edelman. So Julian Edelman's on the Pats for 10 years. After 10 years, whatever you pay him, it only counts for like – 70% of the cap. And then if they're year 11, it drops to 65 and year 12, 60. And it rewards continuity, which I think is something football needs. I think it's important to have guys on the same team. So it's not just a bunch of jerseys. Now the younger generation, they don't care. We just saw it with the NBA. They love the player movement. It's like, great. All right. That guy's on this team now. I'll follow. Odell's on Cleveland. That's great. But I still think there's something to rooting for a guy at the beginning, middle, and end of their career. And I really hope we don't lose that as sports fans. Yeah, that's what I always ask everybody is like, do you want absolute Armageddon? Because if you want Armageddon, like you can convince me there should be no draft, right? Just a free-for-all. You just get to sign it's everybody. It's the Madden draft. Right, right. You're just Let's doing just... Madden auto draft and Tom Brady's in Denver this year. Well, I used to joke that like the NBA, if you wanted to have the most popular single sporting event, you would just redraft the entire league every year. Every year. Like, and... I mean, it feels, it feels like we just went through it. We just kind of <laughs> did, did we that. just do it? So, you know, whenever we do like the guy on TV going, Zeke, get yours, I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. But you can't argue that Dallas is stupid for not giving Zeke that money, can you? Because that would be ridiculous. No. So whenever I think about all the NBA player movement, I go, yeah, this is, this is fun. But, you know, Paul George just signed a four-year deal and – after a year, he can be like, hey, I get to bounce. And then the the pro Paul George argument is, well, they can trade him at any point. And be like, okay, so then do you not believe in the value of a contract at all? Like, you don't believe just because he can be traded that he has equal right to ask for a trade. Like, could he then, in theory, sign the contract and then before camp even starts going, you know, I just don't like my house in OKC and I've never even played for you guys. Russell but and I had a fight. He he doesn't like yeah. the Hills new beginnings. I do. It just got it got heated. He tips twelve percent. <laughs> I can't I can't play with a guy that tips twelve percent. Like that was what the argument would be. And that's why I always ask. Like it happens a lot with college football and college basketball, where I go, Do you want to fix it? Because I think players should get paid more money. I think the revenue generating sports, they need to figure out a way to to get these guys some money. They do need to because the money has escalated beyond anything the, the NCAA ever thought it would be. True. And they're still arguing there isn't enough money, there's enough money. And then the schools, it just turned into an arms race of like, hey, we have a zero gravity room and hang out in there now. And, you know, it's like, okay, cool, because you definitely zero needed that. Zero gravity room. Right, right. It's awesome for tendons. But when I hear the guy who hates the NCAA so much be like, I just hope it all burns to the ground, I'm like, well, now, now. Like yeah, I'm not, I'm not down with that. I think the NBA thing that scares at least front offices is they go, you know, with the way this thing happened and the movement and guys asking for trades now with Paul George, two years left in the deal, two and one or whatever. And then Anthony Davis, it's like the injury thing. You know, Paul George just came off of two shoulder surgeries. What if he says, ah, I don't want to play like post Kawhi, where now I think there's more Toronto fans that probably believe he wasn't hurt now that he's gone. <laughs> He was definitely hurt. <laughs> no, I'm saying yeah. he, he was hurt, but I'm talking about the Manageably Spurs. Hurt. I'm talking about the Spurs injury. Right. Where front offices in the NBA will tell you, we don't know what's going to happen here in the future, but you realize that you, these players now are going, 
well, maybe I'm just going to be hurt all year if you don't want to trade me. I and that's why the players can move. I have an important point on this, but we're going to take a break. Hey, did you know on average it takes police 45 minutes to respond to a home security alarm? That's almost an hour. When a home security system is triggered, the police often assume it's a false alarm and the call goes to the bottom of the list, but not with Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe has video verification technology that helps police get on the scene up to 3.5 times faster, making their average police response time just seven minutes. It is one reason why Simply Safe Home Security is so different. They protect every door, window, and room with 24-7 professional monitoring, starting at just 15 a month. $15 a month. Their prices are always fair and honest. No contract, hidden fees, or fine print. It's won a ton of awards from CNET to the New York Times Wirecutter. Visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Free shipping, 60-day risk-free trial. Nothing to lose. Go to simplysafe.com with two eyes. simplysafe.com slash BS. I was thinking about it. I think the single biggest thing, man, you could make a list of all the things that's changed. This is the end of this decade. I really remember sports 77, 78, 79. Like, I really remember specific things. Dave Parker. The Sports Illustrated covers, guys, how much everybody made, the baseball cards, all that stuff. And that was an era of, you took it really personally if somebody wanted more money or somebody bitched about their contract. The fans were just like, who the fuck are you? You don't, do you understand what you do for a living? How lucky you are? Yeah, and it's bullshit. It was wrong to think right. that way, by the way. So then that started a shift it really didn't start the shift for another 20 years. Well, look at the NFL strike stuff. When you, We'll go back and watch some of the documentaries on that. Right. I mean, imagine being a fan, making a sign, like waiting for NFL players to get off a bus, and the sign is basically so telling- them? Yeah. To, I mean, think about that. Well, so late 90s NBA was like that. So, yeah. And we're basically, the, fan, the players, it's an adversarial relationship in a lot of ways, all the way through the decision. And then this decade, it started to flip. And how you really know it's flipped is with the Zeke Elliott thing. Because he's got two years left on a contract that he signed. If he blew out his Achilles, the Cowboys would have to pay him or buy him out or whatever. He's saying, I'm not playing anymore until you take care of this. And it seems like the fan response is mostly like, go get him, Zeke. You got this. Get paid, man. Do you Get your money. And that's the mentality we have now. So when you talk about like whoever this year's version of Kawhi Leonard could be, like Bradley Beal, my shoulder kind of hurts. I'm not playing. I I think in the old days it'd be like that guy's a malingerer, or you come up come up with all these bad words. That guy's a fucking coward, man. Get out there. You're getting paid. And now people don't think that way at all. Now it's like swung too far the other way. I'd like to find some sort of balance. I really feel like we lost our way with the Anthony Davis thing, where he had two years left. That team had a chance to make the playoffs. He's one of the best seven players in the league. And he was just like, I want to go to LA and I want to go now. And I'm going to sabotage this whole season. And there was nothing the team could do. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's good. I don't think that's a good place for sports to be. I don't want to sound like the old guy on the couch, but I think that's too much that that's, it's just gone in a direction I don't like. I, I'm in total agreement that I think it's more so the media though than it is even fans, and that's that's been the biggest shift. I mean, it's been in, it's so quick, it's been so quick. But I guess and I've heard others are be like, well, why did you ever want to root for management? <laughs> like, why were you rooting for management? Why, why were you we, rooting for ownership? Why were we following sports? 
But we're rooting for the fucking jersey that we yeah. started rooting for when we were six. So maybe that's just going to be completely different now. But I don't think it's old guy on the couch to say, and we've played pickup basketball. <laughs> but there is something about giving up some part of yourself for the betterment of team. I'm not saying don't get your money. I, like Again, this isn't even like an anti-Zeke thing, but... You know, you can't sit up there and watch Ed Reed give a speech and realize, like, this guy is like, I mean, talk about getting it and every single level. Like, to come out of the tunnel with a guy like Ed Reed every Sunday. Greatest teammate. Right. But he understood a lot of the, like, sacrifice shit. Like, hey, you know, like, now I'm nasty, but there's a, there's a team element to this thing. There's even that rant about him that goes, it's been around on the internet for a while, like him getting pissed at guys for not throwing away their towels and like, let's do all these little things and all this stuff. And I know that's not the same as wanting money, but I don't think it's an outdated, archaic, old guy thing to suggest that, you know, there's, there, there still has to be some level of sacrifice to be in a team. And if everyone is their own brand and own business, which is what this has all become, like, oh, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Like there is a little bit of a disconnect. And I worry about where this ends up going. Zion gives me hope because I think Zion's wired in that way of he's just like, he's a fucking awesome teammate. You read every quote about him from Duke last year when he got hurt and all the pander police came out and was like, he shouldn't play anymore. He's jeopardizing for Duke. He shouldn't. And Zion was basically like, these are my friends. I'm probably never going to play with them again. I'm, if it's okay, I'm going to play in the tournament. How great were his answers too? Because he yeah. was almost like, what? He's like, huh? like I'm my, having a blast. These are my best friends. I want to play basketball with them in the NCAA tournament on national TV. Is that cool with you guys? I'm going to do that. And then the stuff, that Griffin article, which we should talk about because it was really weird. Um, the the Zion, the way, the stuff Griffin said about Zion and that, it was just like, this guy's a fucking awesome teammate. He just want, He just wants the team to do well. I don't know, man. I, I got two kids that play sports. I still feel like that's a good example to have people out there that are like, I care about getting what's mine, but I also really care about the infrastructure that I'm in and being a good teammate and have, setting an example and and doing good work and you know sticking up for everybody I'm with and not just being like, me, 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 what's next for me? I don't want my kids to learn that lesson. Again, I'm being the old guy on the couch. Zion said everything the right way. Let's see if it doesn't work out in New Orleans year four or five, how he feels. <laughs> and he's because, not saying everything the way you know, I mean, that's just like dudes in the media. You're in your 20s. You're like, oh, I want to say yes to everything. Or I want to make sure everything I do is special. And I'm like, wow, how much is Ford going to pay me? <laughs> so, let, you know, let's see, let's see how the Zion thing goes. Because we both know after a while you can be in a business where you're like, okay, now I just start looking at this differently, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily end up having to be a bad teammate. I don't think that guy's ever going to be a bad teammate because he's, I, I think he gets it by the way, when he was asked at the press conference, like, Hey, what do you think you're going to do after seven years? He's going, are you guys serious? Like, is it worth asking him that question to have that be the question and the answer that yeah, resonates? It's just, he hasn't played in a game yet. He's just excited to what the fuck is he supposed on? to say? Yeah. Like, well, you know, if by year three, we aren't contending, I'll force my way out before my rookie deal is up. It would be funny if life worked the way that professional sports now seems to work, where I could just come home and my wife would be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm out. They're like, what happened? We got married. Any reason? Nah, I'm good. Bigger I market. I want to move somewhere. I don't know. Somebody looked at me at the tennis club today. I'm good. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> like, what? What happened to we had a marriage? 
somebody followed me on Instagram and just started giving me attention. I was like, we should pair up. Okay, somebody slid in my DMs. It never happened to me before. It is funny though. I was reading about Reggie Miller recently and uh, Reggie Miller hit this point in the early 90s when people were really starting to figure out the cap. And he, he was like, he'd been the 91 Celtics uh, Pacers series with Chuck Person and you know, Reggie Miller's becoming a thing and his contract's up after, I think, the 92 season. And he's hanging out with Magic Johnson. And he's working out in LA with Magic Johnson, I think Byron Scott. And Magic Johnson becomes like this mentor to him. Magic Johnson introduces him to his future wife, ton of all that stuff. Magic Johnson tells him, play out your contract and sign with the Lakers in 92. And Reggie Miller's like, I'm not going to do that. I made a commitment to Indiana. And that summer with a year left on his deal, he signs this new big extension. And if you go back and read the quotes, he's like, you know, I, professional basketball in Indiana means a lot to me. I want to build like my version of the Lakers here. And this city and this place means a lot. And I was reading it. It felt like it happened 700 years ago. <laughs> I was like, wow, this guy. Right. And I wonder like, would younger like, players read you, that today and think, what an idiot? Yeah. Like what a dumbass. You could have played with the Lakers, man. Magic was telling you. He's from, I mean, he plays Who, UCLA. Oh my God. Magic was laid it out for you and you just stayed in Indiana. Stay with those local yokel fans. What are you doing? Meanwhile, and then Reggie Miller ends up, they build a team around him that ends up playing in six Eastern finals in 11 years. And even though he wasn't a superstar, but it's still like the focal point of that. And it was the right decision. Now, if he had bounced around and played for five teams, like Ray Allen did, or Ray Allen was a better player, but Reggie Miller belonged to Indiana and Ray Allen was better, but it doesn't belong to anybody now. It's like, who are the, who, who, what city is like, Hey, it's Ray Allen night. Come, come get it. Come get some. Okay. But you think Ray Allen's like, yeah, but look at what I did in Boston. Look what I did. I, I don't mean, think he cares. To hit one of the most iconic shots yeah. ever, which He's I think like, you've called, you've called it the biggest player. The shot. greatest basketball shot ever. Got to play with LeBron. Right. He should have been the 2001 finals. Went head to head against Iverson. Had some really good last basketball days ever in Seattle runs. I thought he was the 2008 finals MVP. So I guess the question is, which career would you rather have? Would you rather have the career where you did everything in one city? Or would you rather have the career where you just had an awesome individual career and a lot of people passed through your life and you played for a bunch of teams, but now you're in that situation like LeBron was where you're passing a record and the crowd doesn't give a shit because you just got there. That's a, a tough, tough one. Yeah, I guess it, it's it a, is tough, but I still feel like Ray's the answer. I think because of that shot. I mean, I can't stop thinking about that shot and trumping it. But I think back to like younger guys reading about that now, I bet you they do go like, what an idiot. And you have to remember too, like even though these guys are pro athletes and this is part of just becoming older. Like I used to always kind of laugh like one of the first times I'd be around a team and you'd go, oh wait, there's like a dork on the team? Like a pro athlete? Is yeah. a dork? And be like, well, yeah. Like it's 25 baseball not, players. Not Herder, though. No, no. Herder is, I'm not even going to tell you some of the Herder stories I get. When is he coming on? Uh, well, there was, a, there was a bit of a controversy because uh, I have been the number one Herder guy. Did somebody jump on your corner? And then we had his people appear. I've had Herder's cell phone number for a couple of months. I've never bothered him. And so- Somebody, somebody gave it to me and be like, hey, if you want to hit him up. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm not going to do it until, you know, further, further developments. And then his people reached out and were like, hey, we want him to go on with you. So I was like, all right, let's book him. And then Saruti goes, no, they want it to be with SVP. 
I was like, all right, well, you know what, though? That makes sense. He's a Maryland guy. So then here I've talked up Herder, and then Big Cat sends me a text a couple weeks ago and goes, hey, we have an interview coming up. You're going to be totally jealous. And I was like, well, who? Big Cat went in and got- And he's like, we got Herder. He's, oh my And I God. went, you know what? I was like, actually, that's beat, because I don't think you would have Herder on if I hadn't been oh, making Herder jokes flagrant. for a year. Yeah, that's but a fuck you. I was more upset that Herder's people, like, look, they want to get Herder on part of my take. So, you know what I mean? Like, he thought, like, this is a good get. So I understand the strategic part. So I wasn't really upset. You, they Cat didn't know you had this idea for a podcast. You and Herder called Hurt Locker. <laughs> just yeah, you guys I, flexing and tank tops. I just thought it was a, a no-brainer. I may have sent him a text once. It was like, what do you think about you, me, Buckhead, Thursday, tall boys? And he was like, who is this? <laughs> What's your name again? I, so uh, it felt a little bit like on the 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 food chain that I was not it wasn't so much me as it was Van Pelt. So you'd rather then, be you'd rather be Ray Allen. I would I think I would rather be Reggie Miller. But I, I think that's just but I don't that's think a being, personality thing. But I don't think being Reggie Miller is a bad thing. And where people would look back and historically so like let's start doing this whole thing, right? And this is the point I was gonna make is that even though some basketball players are like 27 and 28 years old, and you go, well, how impressionable could you still be at this point in your life? Yeah. We have friends that are over 30. And I don't even know if, it, you know, some people it's just like, hey, that guy's a really impressionable person. I think basketball players become incredibly uh, impressionable in a way that it would surprise the public. And I don't know if it's because of the way that so many basketball players are brought up. It's because they're alone a lot. Where they're sheltered, you know, where there's, there's a bunch of stuff that's going on, um, where it's... It's, you know, you're going off to all these different camps and, it, and it's it's competitive, but then you're hanging out and you're like meeting new guys. And like, I remember when guys started wearing all the bands yeah. on their arms, I'm like, wait a minute. So like Kenyon Martin wears a bunch of bands and now every other player is going to do it. And then like one guy wears a headband and now it's like every guy's going to wear a headband. I think what we've seen is that LeBron is so powerful. Um, he is impressive to other players. Even we can debate on how many other superstars actually still wanted to go play with him at some point. But he has changed what it means to be an NBA star. And with his movement, that is something that has influenced so many of these other guys. And it's playing out perfectly with his Anthony Davis thing. When Anthony Davis did his sit down with ESPN and says, let's see how the year goes. And trust me, I understand the six-month extension rule with him as well as anybody else out there. But if you're going to force a trade and tell the rest of the NBA world, I'm only going to one team, and that team gives up five picks and three players for you, and you have the balls to sit there on TV saying, like, let's see how the year plays out, that's not Anthony Davis talking. That's the LeBron playbook. I've tried to tell everybody this. Like, that actually was the wrong play by Davis. In that spot, that's not Davis keeping his options open. That's where Davis should have been like, look, you know, I want this all to work out. I'm going to do this. But LeBron, who does his year-to-year -year thing, which Griffin explains in that Sports Illustrated article how tough it was at times. And I think to even LeBron's own detriment that when it's like, when you're going year to year and you're all about you all the time, that actually can hurt you and your whole team. And that's where I'd push back on somebody just saying, hey, whatever, get yours. And you go, yeah, but sometimes you can be your own worst enemy where it's like, yeah, you have to sacrifice a little if you want everybody to be on the same page for a team. And I think players think it's laughable now. <laughs> Brady, I love how you got that. I have... I thought the Griffin thing was such a missed opportunity last week. I'm going to talk about it. one more break. All right. These days, a lot of workplaces offer some pretty nice perks. Snack station, 15 flavors of soda water, even insurance. 
But while it's nice to have a handful of trail mix now and then, that's not enough to subsist on. And neither is your workplace life insurance. That's where Policy Genius comes in. It's the easy way to shop for life insurance online in minutes. You can compare quotes from top insurers to find the right amount of coverage at the best possible price. Look at your workplace life insurance policy. The Policy Genius team can decide what else you might need. They can also help you find the right home insurance, auto insurance, and disability insurance. It's a really easy website. You go to it, main screen. You got life, disability, renters, pet, auto, homeowners, health, and then more. So a lot of people like pet insurance now, Kyle. I want the opposite of pet insurance for Olivia. I'd get it for the other two dogs. <laughs> oh, man. Remember, work, workplace life insurance policies are like workplace snacks. Better than nothing, but not quite enough. Head to policygenius.com today. Find out how to supplement your workplace life insurance and better protect your family. Policy Genius, it's like a buffet made of life insurance. What could be more delicious than that? So this Griffin thing happens. Gives this Sports Illustrated interview. The first person I've ever seen go on the record with all the stuff everybody has said to us off the record about LeBron and the whole experience. I've and said this, the year-to-year -year thing before. Yeah, we've said it no, on, this, on on the podcast. Yeah, right. We've all we talked about this on the podcast over and over again. It's not a criticism, by the way. It's, it's not reality. He it's, did it. I mean, it's what he did. His thing is always I'm year to year because I never want to let ownership or management be able to be like taking a taking a year off or settle. He used the year to year as leverage yes. to get what he wanted every single year from the team, whether it was the amount of money they spent on extensions, trading first round picks, they traded five in three years. It was always constantly, well, I mean, you could keep that first round pick, but I mean, I may be gone next year. So I, I don't know. You do what you want to do. Um, he definitely did that. And then the other piece of the Griffin thing that both of us have heard over and over again, and I've said on this podcast, and it sounds like a dig of LeBron, but it's really not, is it is a no-win situation to play with LeBron in some degrees because he does get all the credit if the team wins. And if the team loses, everybody does point to the other pieces and start saying, well, if they just traded this guy or if this guy had done better, if this, this hadn't happened. And in the this is really exclusive to the last, I would say, seven years because he took a ton of shit. And 09, I remember Rick Buecher coming on my podcast and saying, well, LeBron just didn't get it done in the Orlando series. And LeBron had like the greatest six game statistical series like anybody had ever had to that point. It's like, wow, he just, I love MJ would have won it. I love that was Buecher, his worst but, take. But he's, he's been so pro Kobe that he he's anti-LeBron well, shit. But I, I used mean, to make it, fun of it about it on the podcast. He's still doing it. Yeah. He's still anti-LeBron. We all have our lanes. <laughs> we all have our lanes. 2010, he got rightfully annihilated LeBron for the Boston meltdown. 2011 finals got rightfully annihilated. But I think once the Cleveland thing happened, especially those four years, the way that team was set up, it just became one of those things. LeBron wins. And if he doesn't win, it's got to be everyone else's fault. I think it started that last year in Miami because Wade wasn't playing as much. Totally. I mean, Bosch was traded when they were down 2-1 to the Pacers in the, That's the, the thing. year before. So but. he says that out loud, a thing that we've heard from everybody. Have you everybody. Ever Everybody. Yeah. And then he has to go back and be like, ah, actually, I was mis misquoted. <laughs> Some stuff pulled out of exaggeration. And I felt bad for him. But at the same time, I really admired it. He was the first person I heard who went on the record and was candid about some of this stuff. It's okay to be critical of LeBron James. This isn't Jesus Christ hasn't come back and walked the earth for us here. He's just a basketball player. Well, He's I a think great, awesome basketball player. The problem and power, the, the power, the, 
that that LeBron has is like they they can talk about Clutch not being LeBron and all these different things, but what you're not if you want to have a good relationship with Clutch, you can't criticize LeBron publicly when you're his former GM. And it felt like Griff was one of the few guys that LeBron was cool with. I mean, think about all the GMs LeBron has had a problem with, all the coaches he's had a problem with. Now, I think the no win thing is a little exaggerated with LeBron because it's actually kind of inaccurate. Well, you win I mean, if you, you win if you win, win the games. title. Yeah. You win games. I mean, think of all the other guys that we think are stars that don't even come close to sniffing the success or a chance at a championship that we saw from LeBron for an entire decade. So to say, oh, it's a no-win situation, well, that's not really accurate. I can understand, like, I meant a no-win, like, yeah, you're not right. getting the same credit yeah. you would get if it I, was whatever else. So I saw everybody freaking out about it on Twitter before I read the article, and I made it through that first LeBron part, because honestly, most of the article's about New Orleans. And Griffin. It, it, it's way more about that than it is the LeBron stuff. And so the LeBron part in the beginning was like one part. And I went, oh, wait. I'm like, oh, so everybody's doing this again? Like, it's not. And then he brought up it's the couple, second LeBron part where it things. was, he just doesn't look like he has the same fight. And at the end of the Cleveland thing, and I went, okay, well, the, the Griff's, Griff's going to take some heat on this one. Because it was like a second part where he was criticizing him. And then LeBron, you know, tweets out, like, I've had it. I'm sick of people saying this and I'm coming out. And it's like, all right, fine. But like, you're going to have to play. Like you're going to play a full season of intense defense too, because that's that's probably not going to. It's probably not smart for LeBron to even do that. Because I thought Griff made a good point. It's a point I made on this podcast. There's nothing more fun than watching your kids play basketball. And LeBron, I think, when he won that 2016 title, you know, at this point, it's it's all gravy in some respects. And the family part of it, you start to look around and be like, oh shit, my. I, this happened to me after, you know, at the Grantland thing, like doing five jobs and you realize how much stuff you're missing. And you you look at, I look at my daughter, I'm like, shit, you're nine. And I, I missed 75% of your games and I didn't go to your musical performance. And you really start caring about that stuff. So if he's, if he's going to care about that stuff and not be like the maniacal, I have to be Jordan guy. I think that actually is pretty cool and healthy. But my question is, 18 seasons in, I'm not sure you can be everything at the same time. You know, like Giannis is in the fucking lab right now. That guy has, all he's thinking about is I'm going to be better than I was last year. I want to win the title. This is Rocky three now. You, Giannis is clubber in the gym, just like pounding some heavy bag. And Rocky's in the big mansion. Like it's, it's a really good parallel for sports, that movie. LeBron's in the fucking Rocky three mansion now. And he's set up now where Davis can be the MVP. He can be the, the, the most overqualified number two guy ever if he plays it correctly. I'll be really interested to see how he plays it. Like there, there's stuff about, oh, he's going to play point guard this year. I think that's ridiculous. I, I just don't think, I don't see a world in which he's an actual, like how the Sixers tried to use Ben Simmons where he's guarding other point guards. Like, Oh, I don't think he'd be guarding any point guards. Well, then I mean, you're they, not they, a point guard. I don't, FYI, you're not a point guard. Yeah, I don't blame um, you know him for coasting on defense. I don't blame him for the last couple of years and making sure he's guarding the guy. Like, you go, I'll take him. Like, awesome. Rex Specs. <laughs> like, he's about to go tip it up it's at like Oak, Live Oak, and it's like you start wandering slowly over to the dad bod guy with the Rex Specs. You're like, I will be able to. He's like, I've got Trevor Reza, guys. I don't know who you guys have. <laughs> I don't blame him for doing here. that. I don't blame him for doing that. So, 
you know, part of it's like, okay, well, if other guys are pointing that out, that's not really a critique. It's it's actually what's happening out there. But I still find his year last year to be more impressive than he's given credit for, knowing that, like, those numbers at the end of the year, I, I can't believe. So I, I feel like the LeBron thing, like, I, I'm not all the way. You have him seventh. I think that's too low right now. But when Stephen A comes out and says, hey, he's going to be MVP of the league, like, that's too high. I think so there's two different rankings. That I'm very- middling here with LeBron. If I'm talking one game with my life, depending on it, he's not seventh. If I'm talking about how many guys would you take over him right now? One game. Kawhi. That's it. That's it. Healthy Durant. I would still have LeBron second. Durant's not healthy. Can't do it. That's it. Where was Yabuselli in that? Low. (laughs) But when you're talking about I have somebody for eight months, the the thing with LeBron is I have no idea if he's in a 90 game guy anymore or an 80 game guy. You're talking, if you're going to win the title, you're playing for eight months. Kawhi is the most you can push it. 62 regular season games, 22 playoff games. He still was at 80 plus. I have no idea if LeBron can play 3,000 minutes in a season anymore. Now, Brady's, going back to Brady, Brady's done things that we never expected. But the key thing, the difference between Favre 10 years ago and Marino 20 years ago and Montana 25 years ago is he doesn't get the shit kicked out of him in football games anymore. You don't have guys diving at your knees and you don't have people hitting you in the head. You don't have people body slamming you. You're still getting hit, but it's not the same punishment remotely. So it's realistic you can play to 44. I don't I don't think it's logical, but it's at least like relatively realistic. But if his 42-year-old season's like his 41, like this is the first time where I'm going maybe he is going to do this. Right. And maybe the ultimate thing like gets back to like the beginning of the whole conversation we were having is that does does Brady want his Theo Epstein moment where he's like actually I'm going to go to Tampa Bay for, for one, one year. year. And I'm gonna win. Oh, that would be fun. I don't know if it'd be Tampa, but that would be fun for everybody but everyone who loves the Patriots and Tom Brady, but as a football story it'd be fun. Um and I would probably not leave my room for like a week. Um the LeBron thing, though? Yeah. I would argue that playing playing basketball, like just the Kawhi, the Kawhi level, what we saw from Kawhi last year, I can't believe I'm saying this, is just so much more physically grueling than it would be to be a quarterback at this point. <laughs> I, I actually think it's more punishing. Football, how many hits am I really taking over in, in 20 games as a quarterback? I'm going to hit some... Especially him. I mean, he was... He's getting he was rid of the ball every time. Early. Yeah, you're not hitting him. He's You're you coming. Know, I, I already got rid of the ball. You're not hitting me. I mean, even Manning. Remember when Manning went down and they thought he was just giving himself up? Was it a playoff game? Yeah. They just didn't blow the whistle, so he kept running. I forget if that was a playoff game or it was a prime was time a, game. Yeah, it was a prime time Like, game. everybody was watching at the same time. Like, everybody's so used to him giving himself up um, and he still ended up not being healthy. I, I don't Manning I have to go through like, it and like look at because Brady had that year. Was it two years ago where he was like halfway through the season? He was on pace and he was getting the shit kicked out of him for him. Like he right. was he was actually I remember one year doing the math on it, it was like if he keeps up this rate, it's going to be the highest hit rate he's had in maybe ever or 10 years. Like it was actually an alarming rate there where it didn't look like they were able to protect him and he was taking more and more hits. So I don't know that I'm ready to say the Kawhi thing is more grueling. It's just different. It's just different. It is true. Like you talk to anybody who's a doctor in an ER. I remember when I was playing, yeah, I used to play pickup basketball. That's right. I remember when I was that. playing in my forties <laughs> and I was at a party once with somebody from like a parent from the school. And I was like, yeah, I still play. And he's like, 
I mean, you're the reason you are staying in business. Little kids and and 40-year-old guys who think they could still play, pick up basketball and softball and touch football. Like, that's those are her bread and butters. <laughs> Four-year-old kids and 41-year-old uh, not ready to retire yet athletes. I don't know if this is a bad time to ask about your health policy here at the Ringer. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple of things I got to get checked out. The uh, Anyway, I think LeBron, the way he plays is fucking grueling. I'll be interested to see if he can keep doing it. I don't think he can play. People seem to have penciled in now. Well, when his son gets to the NBA and he's going to play with him, it's like, well, his son's not going to be in the NBA for at least four years and isn't like a top 10 prospect right now, I don't think. And is a 6'2 guard. I'm sure there's been a lot of good ninth graders, 6'2 guards over the years. So that, that he'd have to hit the jackpot with that side of it, but then would also have to stay healthy for another four years to the point that he'd feel good about playing. I don't know enough about his, his... What would you put as a line right now, just out of curiosity? LeBron plays with his kid. I give you plus 500. Do you grab it? Oh, I think I need better odds. Like 10 to 1? Because the prospect part, like this is to assume yes... You'll be in the NBA. The prospect list like, changed yeah. like within a week. Titus it's, told us he was Zion when he was 14. <laughs> right, true. <laughs> uh, we got to go. I got three really quick things for you. Okay. We have a gym corner? We can. We can do that. I have something I've observed. I wanted to share it with people. Um, do you care about Team USA, yes or no? The only thing I think is interesting, it's a playoff of everything we just talked about, how impressionable guys are, how influenced. And it's like, hey, wait a minute, you're not going? Well, I'm not going. If you're not going, I'm not going. And then it turns into this thing where it's like, now nobody wants to go. Do you see the Team Canada thing? Yeah. None of those guys want to go. Yeah. Wiggins not going, maybe the least surprising thing ever. I know. Wiggins is like, I'm good. But it's kind of funny how like patriotism has nothing to do with other than like, are the cool guys going? That's really what it is. Patriotism is now who's going to the nightclub. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. You think Steve Nash called Wiggins? It was like, all you can, man, is Coke and Xbox. <laughs> it was uh, on again last night. It's, you probably it's, watched it. I can't watch it now without the director's cut. Yeah, you need the extra Because I was like, I don't remember Mohegan having so these rooms. Can I make the case for Team USA for a, sec- a split second? Yeah, sure. I thought it was really important in 08 with those young guys, and all of them had the best year of their career the next year. Mello, Wade, Dwight Howard, LeBron. Um, being in that infrastructure, the intensity of it, working with older guys, seeing the work ethic of Kobe kid, those guys. 2010, none of them wanted to go back. We made it a younger team. It turned out to be, I think, the most important moment of young Kevin Durant's career. He became the leader of that team. Lamar Odom was on there, a couple guys. That was great. 2012, I thought was great for everybody. 2014, I still vaguely remember it being good for people. And now it's starting to fade. And I just think, the proof's in the pudding where these guys go through this experience. They have different coaches. They're playing with the best of the best. They're they're picking up a couple tricks left and right from like, oh, I didn't realize he was coming out here an hour before practice just to work on corner threes. There's no way it doesn't make you better. I think it's way better for you than the possible minor injury risk. But I do think the Paul George thing changed it. I think that I think it changed the mindset of it. And meanwhile, that was a fucking fluke injury. It was a fluke injury, and he still got paid twice since then. Yeah. So, and he's he's probably coming off of what would have been his best season ever. 
um, this past year. I mean, he was he was incredible up until both the shoulders and it just, you know. Also, I, you're you're playing basketball either way. It's not like, you know, you're a fighter pilot. That's if you, if you don't do this war, you're not going to be in the fighter jet. Like, right, like if I see another basketball all the time, right, if I see another pickup game with Mello, who's playing with NBA guys like these guys are still playing ball. I would say that's much more dangerous to play with, like the 32 year old stockbroker who's feeling himself in the New York city pickup game and undercuts you versus playing an organized game with everybody knows what the fuck they're doing. One of my buddies was at Chelsea Piers speaking to Ray Allen. He played in college. He's only been good in pickup games, but yeah, he, he was like, Hey, to Ray, he's like, do you want to, do you want to play with us? And Ray was like, y'all hackers. <laughs> and he was like, no, I played and whatever. He's like, all right, we'll see. He's like, he played around with them. And Ray wasn't going hard. I mean, he was making everything. Yeah. Like, the first thing he said was, like, are you guys out to fucking prove something here? Like, hey, I held Ray Allen to seven points or something. So that's yeah, that, a, is, that is more dangerous than that's just- That's a youth soccer thing, by the way. Because youth soccer hits a level where it gets really competitive. And everybody's kind of on the same page with how to go, what to do, slide tackles being dated, like all the different things. And everybody kind of moves in concert. And if somebody then goes down a level and plays in like an AYSO game, that's how you get hurt. Because you're playing with kids who don't know that same language and end up like they come in for the ball when they shouldn't. They have no chance at it. And all of a sudden you have a broken leg or a broken ankle or something. So pick up basketballs like that too. You put you put the want guy in there and it gets dangerous. Team USA basketball is basically like spending at a company where big companies have these spending freezes all of a sudden it's like now okay can you not park there I'm like what i'll never forget like that was one of my first wake-up calls of the corporate world where it was like can we have you park in the walking lot and walk over and i was like yeah absolutely six bucks a day great savings it's a rip off 24 bucks a month <laughs> or 24 bucks a day and then i i pulled and then there was like a private lot like four different managers were pulling in there and i went oh yeah you want me, you want me to do the six dollar lot but yeah you guys asked me to do the $6 lot. You guys are parking there. So basically USA basketball, you have to have multiple bad stretches for players to be motivated enough to go ahead and play. Everything you said is right, but there's when there's no like, hey, we're getting our asses kicked over and over again. Like that's what'll have to happen. They'll have to have a couple bad showings and everybody will come back and start playing again. I would just be, cool be like, again. cool, I get to play with Greg Popovich. I'm never going to play with him in any other situation. I want maybe I'll learn two things. How good was Popovich's Duncan material the other day? Huh? Just knee slapping. Yeah, Pops hit this point like Bill Murray at Pebble Beach. <laughs> That's perfect. That's you better just, than mine. You can do anything, and it's right. hilarious. I was going to say prime Tiger. Like Tiger could say something that wasn't even. He could say something pro-communist after a tournament, like on a Saturday. Yeah, and the room would laughed. He'd be like, oh, obviously, I can't hit a six iron 320 yards. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's on fire. You yeah. get a Netflix special. Yeah. And Popovich I'm, is in that lane. I'm done with the pop. Like the whole sideline reporting thing died two years been, ago I've for me. I've been done with that for. And now it's uh, it's two years beyond being dead for me. I uh, My vote for Team USA would just be young players. I would go 24 and under, maybe have two Kemba Walker types and then everybody else like on their way up. Do it that way. Make it like a experience that would actually help young guys. I think that's the answer. I would give citizenship to Giannis's entire family. Be like, you guys go. That'd be so funny if we did that. 
It's like good news. We did it with Hakeem in 96. Remember? He was like on the fucking Team USA all of a sudden. It's like good news. Hakeem's on <laughs> Team USA. Like what? It's like the Italian baseball team. Right. Like, wait a minute. The situation's on it? <laughs> Mike Sorrentino? <laughs> um, do, you, do you have a Chris Paul prediction for us? Ooh. Do uh, you want to save that for dual threat? No. Because, I mean, I had said all along, don't just assume that he's not going to play in Oklahoma City. And from everything I've heard, like, that's the plan. He talked it out with everybody and they're ready to go and let him run that ship. And I think they need him to be really good again for everybody to get what they want out of it is for him to be a better asset than he is today and for him to be enough of an asset to maybe find a way to be traded somewhere but so he's a two and a half month temp yeah but the milwaukee thing wasn't gonna work um unless that went disastrous which i don't think it would i could see miami being bored enough to do it but you know the the lakers thing because i think he's gonna stay in la so i think i think so his hope is clutch clutch goes hey man um, maybe some things aren't working out with LA. You know, I don't know. You no, know, that clutch goes, AD would really be receptive to like a Chris Paul trade would be great. That'd be good if you did that. Just be good. Cause if, that out there. Cause if not, he contract. really wants to play with Wendell Carter. <laughs> Zach <laughs> yeah, Levine. yeah. That Chicago thing came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I then you know. have the Clippers who they thought they mortgaged just everything for those two guys. And then those guys are like, yeah, we're going to be on two year deals. Is that cool? Like, what? Right, but to your deal. That would that would surprise me if the Clippers would even, you know, I, I mean, I expect that Clippers thing to go really, really well. Well, especially so now that Kawhi's uncle is the CEO of Xbox. It's my hidden bomber Microsoft joke for you. Uh, is that not true? No, I was joking. Like, there's everybody's been joking. About <laughs> I don't know. These, you just did a big tech pod, and I hadn't, I hadn't listened yet. No, everybody's been joking about though. these under the table perks that Bomber gave Kawhi. It's been a running joke this summer in NBA circles. So he's not the voice of of Cloud Strife, Final <laughs> Fantasy. <laughs> um, so you think it's not impossible that Chris Paul ends up in Los Angeles? Hmm. Impossible is uh, is a strong word, but um, I think he would like that more than maybe they would. My prediction is still Minnesota. Okay. Um, any quick thoughts on why people care about Carmelo so much when he hasn't been relevant in four years? Is it because there's nothing to talk about? No, I think because he he's an awesome interview. Yeah. He's incredible. Uh, he's he's one of my favorite guys I've ever interviewed. It's weird that he hasn't been thrown around for team for uh, studio stuff. announcing yeah. like the jump kind of stuff. Well, maybe he just you know he's like because I still want to play, you know, yeah. right? Uh, and I know other guys have done both. You know, Vince Carter being a good example of that. But I, I feel like Melo's younger, where it's like, well, if I go do that, it feels like I'm giving up. Uh, one of the only athletes I've inter- ever interviewed where like as I was kind of going down a road, he just stopped me, but stopped me in like the most intelligent way to kind of make it better but was cutting me off i'm like no dude that's not that's not what happened or what you need to be asking about like this is what it was and it totally blew me away like i've never forgotten obviously i forgot the word for word part of it but it wasn't him being a jerk at all he was actually just taking control and being like no no no, this is this is what you need so i've always been impressed with him that way and so he does that big sit down with Stephen a and 
what happens is, I mean, he's just slow time of the year, general consciousness of this whole thing. And that's I think, when we care about LeBron's parenting. Yeah. At, I, at youth basketball games. Exactly. Carmelo Stephen A interview. Taco Tuesday video. Tom Brady's real estate. I uh, Melo kind of got dumped on so much that I almost feel like there's a little bit of a guilt thing about it. Is that part I think of it's it too? Bullshit. I, the, I've already talked about this, but uh, okay. I just think it's, it's ridiculous. He was, re Mello was really, really good. Oh, so we're in agreement on this. Oh, yeah. 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 Mello's really, really good. And I don't even know who the best teammate he ever had was, but it's either like past his prime Allen Iverson or Tyson Chandler or... You no, know, if you go through all, like whenever anybody's like, I did he it never for got a comp place, five years ago. Right. So I've done it. I've done it in an email But with it's my also friends. his fault because over and over again, he took the money over like a good situation. And he, he is specifically- This past thing. Like this he stayed past with the Knicks to get that was, fifth year. You knew the next thing was done at that point. Yeah. And he just went back there anyway for the money. Um, last question for Jim Corner. We got to go. Everyone wants Kyler Murray- to be Mahomes for this year for fantasy fun out of nowhere purposes. Is it actually realistic? I still don't think what Mahomes did last year was realistic. Okay. So now I'm supposed to think another guy's just going to go ahead and do it. And it's not me going, Oh, I don't know about Kyler Murray. I mean, now I'm, I'm more open-minded about any of these guys being studs. I mean, this position is just. It's no kinda, offensive line, new coach, seemingly tough division. And by the way, you can add, like, none of that means as much as, do we have to remind ourselves of what Mahomes just did yeah. this past year so that he's just going to step in and do that? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I just hope he's fun and that when Nephew Kaya was drooling in the corner of the guest house at, like, 5.30 on a, or 4.30 on a, on a lazy Sunday in I've LA. Been told, I've been told. Well, not not allowed to thinking about drooling. He's not allowed to drool anymore? No, not in the house. He's a, it definitely sends off the fumes, but... Mm. Come on, dude. Yeah, a little bit. A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> but I just hope he's fun on one of the TVs. I hope it's like, oh, look, Kyle, Kyler Murray's scurrying around doing stuff. He's about as much fun as I've ever seen run in That'd a college fun. football just game. Just be like, oh, so, what's going on in the top TV? Yeah. Ooh, Switch it what's over. Kyler Murray doing? Switch it over. Yeah. Yeah, flip this. He's probably going to run more, too. I thought they were down 20. They're down six? I hope I hope he at least sits that. All right, what do you got for Jim Corner? I've been doing this thing lately where I'm observing guys practicing uh, mixed martial arts, boxing. And, you know, if you're good at it, it's like, it's a cool thing to be good at. Right. Like when you're good at throwing punches and kicks, it's kind of awesome. You know, it means like you grew up with it, you get some natural ability and you can tell right away, like, oh, you know, this guy's either has the Tybo video at home or this guy like actually, you know, was, was doing classes. Get a Muay Thai instructor yeah, right, when he was right. nine. Absolutely. But there's been dudes that I've been noticing that have been doing this thing where they set up their whole thing in front of everybody. And it's not like usually the gyms will have some side room or if you're into that, join a gym that has bags and a room off to the side. And I've noticed in a couple different spots, going to be traveling a bunch too, is that some guys are like setting up some sort of like cone obstacle and then sparring with the deal while everybody else is kind of walking around him and going to different stations. And I'm thinking to myself, it's not so much that you want to work out. It's that you want to have everybody see that you're kind of like an MMA boxer dude. And I've noticed a lot. And the same thing happens with videos like Kevin Hart, big workout guy, right? I like Kevin Hart, my basketball teammate, celebrity game. Doesn't pass a ton. 
But <laughs> he was doing like a sparring video, right? Where he was hitting it. And, you know, you can kind of, if you're athletic enough, you can memorize all the routines and what the different numbers are and you can go through it all and it can look really, really good. And you get routine down and Hart posted this video and it was really good. And then the other key thing though, that you do to try to just get in front of the haters is you go still some work to do or still some room to improve so that you're not posting it to be like, look at me, I'm the shit. I'm a badass. Brady should start doing right. that on his Instagram video. But everybody that's doing that is posting it because they think they look like a badass in the video. Nobody looks at the video of them hitting the bags and goes, I look terrible. Yeah. I'm going to post this. My left this. wrist looks limped on that Yeah, one. like I keep pushing this punch. There's no, there's nothing behind it. There's no snapping. Like I even did it once because I knew in the video I looked cool. <laughs> I did it years ago. So I'm admitting my own guilt in this process. But guys are posting stuff. Like Russell Wilson, every primetime game, always boxing footage. Guaranteed. Because he thinks it looks awesome. So when guys release this stuff, we all know that you're doing it. It's just another version, but it's a little extra. And it's also bleeding into the gym routine to the, the actual day-to-day -day where I'm noticing more and more guys like, hey, if there's a room that's actually set up to hit bags, here's a thought. Go in that room. So, but the other thing is you can't really say any other thing to those guys because if they actually are pretty good at it. Like what, bro? Right. Oh, okay. We go live right now. And then you get your ass kicked at the gym and right. everybody finds out about it. So I, I'm not going to say anything to anybody. Do you think they're, so they're showing off, but they're also kind of hoping they find a kindred spirit who then they can talk about MMA stuff a little bit with, right? Maybe, but I usually think it's about when girls. They're naked? No, I think it's oh. girls. Oh, I'm tough. I could defend you at a movie, at the yeah. Tarantino movie if somebody yeah. spilled popcorn on you and wasn't nice about it. Oh, you're a trainer? Yeah, no, I used to train MMA back in Huntington. Hmm. I moved up here though. I'm in LA well, we, now. We have uh we have one gym corner video idea that we're gonna do when you officially join the ringer next month that I'm very excited about. Oh yeah, that's and right. You, yeah, don't, I do, don't I, say yeah, what it right. is. No, it's I'm a not good one. It. No, it's no. a good one. I forgot. I got nervous for a second. No, it's it's uh <laughs> this, this is one idea. It's I don't know if it's a one off or we can do like three of them. <laughs> it but feels like a one off, but it might be a one off. <laughs> might be a one off, but uh it's it's great to have you here. Welcome aboard officially and uh, very excited to get moving. Thanks a lot, Bill. Seriously. So uh, I can't wait. All right. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Simply Safe when a home security system is triggered. The police often assume it's a false alarm, but not with Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe has video verification technology that helps police get on the scene up to three and a half times faster, making their average police response time just seven minutes. 24-7 professional monitoring starts at just $15 a month. Visit simplysafe.com slash BS to get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Simply Safe with two eyes. Simplysafe.com slash BS. One more BS podcast coming this week with a famous guest. Oh, uh, yes. I was hoping you were going to say this. That I've never had on before. That it's kind of, I got to say, this is the single most unbelievable, I can't believe she, there's your hint, mm -hmm. has not come on yet. But now, after 12 years, she's coming on. That's all I'll say. Uh, and don't forget about the rewatchables, Collateral. You can listen to that after you finish this one. There you go. See you next uh, Thursday.